Hello everybody, welcome back to Farscape Rewatch Season 3, Episode 5. I am Cowboy Hats and joining me as always is Red Nightmare. Time is a flat sphere. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. <laughs> I never get why it's a flat circle. Uh, it's circles just flat. Listen, I didn't even watch True Detective or whatever. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh... We are back for a new episode called Different Destinations. Yes, I, I not pa- flat circles. No, I paused there because it's du- ellipsis and then different destinations. It's like... Yes. Yeah. I don't get why. We'll get to why okay. later in the episode. But yes, this is coming on the heels of the two-parter self-inflicted wounds. And Zan is no longer with the crew. Yeah, it's in the opening intro. She, Virginia Hayes is yep. not, not in the list anymore. Nope, she's been, like, single been tier. removed. Yeah. Jewel isn't in there yet, is she? The no, we'll see if she gets in there, but not right now. Anyway, we start out with Moya orbiting a planet, and they're doing some repairs to Moya. We get a shot of Moya in space. There's a big planet down below them with some rings. And then we go down to the planet. We have the establishing shot. Again, it keeps coming up, but the vertical... This uses a lot of vertical space, like spires and cliff faces, mm-hmm. with greenery on them and uh, buildings. It looks pretty... Pretty nice. And the, the CGI is good, yeah, by the way. It's like, not too bad. This, this is fine. Yeah, this works. And uh, down on the planet, you've got Crichton, Aaron, Dargo, Stark, and Jewel. Mm-hmm. And they're in a courtyard which has, you know, sand on the ground. There's statues and a few plants. And John is wearing some goggles on his head. It's like a welding mask with a mm. lot of. Things and doohickey statues and lights. <laughs> yeah. So what this place actually is, is the location of a peace memorial from a great battle in Peacekeeper history. Yeah, it's like 500 cycles ago? Four or 500 cycles ago, yeah. But yes, Crichton's wearing the goggles, and he then says, Dargo, you've got to try these. And what it is, is there's a time tear in this place that, with the goggles, lets you see back in time. And uh, look at the events as they happened. And I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Dargo puts them on and we can see through them. And there are, well, there are a bunch of nurses and an enemy horde, the Venek Horde. There's a peace treaty that gets signed. So the people who live there get saved. Basically. It's apparently a very important moment in this planet's history. And John and Dargo are like, whoa, man, that's cool. And Aaron and Jewel are arguing about it. <laughs> I was going to say, Jewel's making friends again. Erin <laughs> actually has a little device that has information on it that's kind of like Peacekeeper info. Like it's like a, the guided tour. Yeah, very, yeah, basically. If you look now on your left hand, you will see. Erin <laughs> says there are 30 Peacekeepers lost their lives defending a group of nurses and children from the Brennick Horde. Jewel thinks it's a load of crap. <laughs> yeah, she's like peacekeepers only, bloodthirsty murderers, and there's no way they were protecting anyone. Yeah, peacekeeper propaganda for morons. She says it's bullfrell, which yeah. raises questions about what word frell is supposed to represent. But don't what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interchangeable. Also, wait, you have bulls as well. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> don't worry about it. A few um, words translate, if you, mm, if you proper nouns translate. I suppose so. But uh, Aaron gets very upset and says, okay, no, the man who made the peace, sub-officer Dakin, he's a hero among our people. He stood up there with his guts spilling out and he was a hero, damn it. How dare you? <laughs> Jill's like, it's just so naive little girls can sleep at night. Yeah, she's really laying into it. And Dargo's like, okay, 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 ladies, please, this is a peace memorial. Can we please not kill each other here? <laughs> and Stark is also down there as well, but he's kind of just sitting off in the corner, being upset. So, meanwhile on Moya, Shiana is walking into Zan's quarters, and Rigel's already in there. She says, well, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, same thing as you, going to go through her stuff and find what's left. And, and Shiana's like... Yeah. Definitely that. Rachel's like, yes, uh, leaving her stuff here uh, can't bring it back anyway. Jan's already a bit blank staring. She's like, yeah, you're right. You know what? You can keep it. I don't want it. Yeah, and you can see very faintly there's a tear kind of coming down her mm. eye a bit. And then it cuts to Rigel and he looks down and he says, me neither. I don't want it. Passes something to the side. Yeah. I really like that scene because it's Rigel for once actually being sentimental about someone else mm-hmm. both trying to convince each other that yes no we're here to take things I'm yes, not, no, we're, we're I'm not sad 
I'm not uh, sad. We're, we're thieves. No, that that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, not because you really miss Zan and you're really sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back down on the planet, Crichton goes to have a chat with Stark because he's sitting down on the steps, kind of looking very sad. I like that Stark says, she bought me this jacket. But he says that he can no longer hear her voice, can't hear Zan anymore. And Crichton says, look, you got to put these goggles on. He says, no, I don't want to. He says, look, this is a place of peace. Put this on and you'll see the piece that was made 400 cycles ago. And that's the kind of thing that Zan really liked was peace yeah. and yeah. love and it's all that good. stuff. It's what she stood for. Yeah. So he puts it on and he looks and he says, like, I see, I see so much death. All the death. And he's freaking out. And he's like, no, 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 so much death, all the death. He's going to take it off. He's like, remove the goggles, got to remove goggles. But yeah. what actually happens is I think he's accidentally, or but he starts to remove his mask at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the energy from under his mask flows out and he's standing there just yelling basically. And it goes into the time tear and then there's a huge flash of light and suddenly the monastery looks very different. <gasps> How could... That have possibly oh, happened. What's happened? And Jules like, wow, this is really real looking. This is the best simulation I've ever seen. And I, like, lo- I love that it's like, yep, Jules ha- does not hang with these people that very long yet. Because <laughs> everybody else within, I think, five seconds, especially John and Aaron, have already figured out what just happened. Yeah, and if they weren't sure, then a flaming arrow gets shot over the wall in- into the monastery and one goes through Jules' arm and... <laughs> yeah. She's screaming, and Aaron's uh, like, get down! And they run for cover. Aaron is looking at Jewel and is like, God, okay, just shut up. And just pu- pulls the arrow out of her. Oh, no, no, no. She, I love what she does, because what, what she does instead of, because it's broader on the end, if you just rip it out again, you make the wound bigger. So what she does is breaks off the end, pushes it through the wound. Oh, yeah. Out on the other end. Jules screaming the whole time, and then afterwards she just knocks her out. It's like, shut up! Well, she just slaps it, like, stop screaming. And so they've, yeah, they've run for cover. Crichton is like, you know what happened? Stark's mask, something must have pulled us into the past. It's like... <laughs> Aaron's oh. like, yeah, I gathered. <laughs> and Dog is like, oh no, anything we do here may change the future. So, we can tick off the box now. The time travel episode. Yep. Square that one away. Okay. Almost got bingo. Yeah. <laughs> we've had body swap episode. Yeah, had the clone episode. Clone episode, yeah. Technically, we've already had the time... No, we have the time loop episode. That's yes, the time loop and time, time travel, travel episode. They're two different yes. things. Two different yes, things. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yes, so they've traveled back in time 500 cycles to the pivotal moment of this planet's history. How could that possibly go wrong? <laughs> and, of course, they soon get confronted by a bunch of peacekeepers who are wearing very different uniforms to what we normally see there. They've got hoods and they're much more simple and they've just got a disc in the chest that has like a, a logo on it. There's yep. no, they're not, not really wearing body armor or have weapons or anything. The, the, it gets mentioned at some point, but the, uh, there's a plasma field or something that's blocking Paul's weapons. Yeah. So they, they have to use more primitive weapons from the enemies that they're fighting. Yeah, which is why there was that arrow that went over the wall. And Erin, thinking on her feet very well, is like, okay, we're reinforcements. We were sent yeah. over from the other side. And I'm Commander Erin. That's a Subcommander Crichton. Yeah. Luxon is mercenary. Yeah. <laughs> she does very well on her feet. She's like, all right, yeah. okay, I can I'd get through this. And so they find the Commander Officer Tarn. Yeah. It says the horde is the jamming pulse weapon, so you got to grab a spear, and then the horde jumps the wall, and it's battle time. And John's like, "Don't kill anyone! Don't kill anyone!" And I think the Dargo just <laughs> with this quarter blade up. It's like, "I'm not going to kill anyone. Well, I might kill that one." <laughs> <laughs> that, really, like, that really cracked me up, just the way it was delivered, because yeah. it was like all this frantic running around trying to fight everybody's dog is just like oh, I'm, I'm not gonna well i might kill this guy just stab sap <laughs> okay i mean it's still farscape erin <laughs> erin is just going completely ham they have a brief discussion about we're in the past anything we kill might be a problem and erin's like i'm not gonna die here mm. <laughs> so they fully fight and john is <laughs> i love how john is fighting because he's like i think he grabs a blunt instrument he just mm. starts slapping people and he's like Oh, sorry, please don't die. Oh, sorry. <laughs> don't be dead. But in the fight, Officer Tarn gets killed, shot through with an arrow, and he just collapses. Earlier, Aaron was asking to find uh, Officer Dakin, and Tarn says, no, that's 
it's him there, and he's like a weedy-looking like yeah. young guy, and he's like, "Oh, sir." He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "I'm uh, I'm in command, Officer Tan," and then Officer Tan is dead. So yes, at the end of the fight, all the peacekeepers except for Deacon are dead. So now we get to the problem with time travel episodes. When you do a time travel episode, there are various different ways to approach how the causality works it's like how changing the past affects the future the way they do it in this episode requires the most amount of don't think about it yeah <laughs> because back up on moya pilot is calling chiana to command saying that we just received a request from the planet to break orbit in venek in a different language than when we got here and Jen's like that's not what? right those people left this planet 400 cycles ago and pilot says yeah that's what i thought and so Okay, this is the problem with talking about time travel episodes, because it's, you have to now assume that what's happening with Aaron and Crichton and Dargo and Jewel is happening simultaneously in the past, alongside the uh, present, in air quotes, timeline, and anything they do immediately changes stuff there. Well, Chiana and Pilot and everybody on Moya still remembering how it used to be. Yeah, that raises a lot of questions. <laughs> There's actually a few moments where you could be like, you, you could hand wave it, because they've been inside a center halo. I Moya guess. has been inside and pulled out of a center halo. Maybe that makes her special? I, I was thinking that it's something to do with the time tear affects like a region of space. That there's could like, also be like, the case. There's like a bubble around the planet. And it only affects that. But this is all like headcanon hand waving to try and make oh, yeah, sense of this time travel episode. Because they're like, we're never going to mention this. And I think, I personally think it's the best approach. Yeah, it is. But like I said, this is, this raises a lot of questions. Because it's like, well, then if they change the past, then why didn't it change what happened before? And then they got there and then they didn't go down. And then they wouldn't have gone back in time. That's and paradox. Ah! <laughs> This is the trouble with time travel. There's always, you always need to explain away the paradox. And in this case, they're like... Mm -hmm. There is almost always a paradox when time travel is, is involved. <laughs> the only version of time travel that doesn't get paradoxes is predestination. Yeah, where you go back and you whatever you do was had already happened. Yeah, that was part of the history. Yeah, which is very much not what they're doing. <laughs> it's also a very depressing version of time travel, being like everything yeah. is set in stone. <laughs> But that's definitely not the case here. So, all right, let's see where they go with this. So, Crichton is asking Aaron, "What? Okay, what does your data device say? What is the guided tour telling you?" And she says, "Well, okay, all but one peacekeeper were wiped out. So that's what happened. So that still happened." Yep. Sub Officer Dakin, he dies when he's on the wall sending the ceasefire message. And what happened was the Venex General grinds. He saw how the battle went. And there were only the women and children left and then decided, you know, he was convinced the other generals to offer a ceasefire. Yeah. But that's what her history books say. So John's like, right, okay, we got to make that happen. Okay. Well, all the peacekeepers aside from Deacon are dead. So that's good. Okay. So far, nice. so good. Yeah. So as we speak now on the other end of this wall, there, the general uh, is having a talk uh, with his other generals and he's going to get that ceasefire. History is still going perfectly fine. <laughs> Hang on a second. Who's that over there? It's not exactly how that scene goes. It's actually two scenes. Mm. But John later, as they find a wounded Benick, turns out it's a general. Ah, whoops. <laughs> well, he's not on the other side of the wall <laughs> negotiating a ceasefire. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, we are jumping ahead a little bit there because there's a few other scenes in between that. Such as Jewel being treated for her wound. Yeah. The ah. nurses are treating her wound and they give her something uh, for the pain. And she's like, well, oh, this is really good. And well, she, first of all, she's like... Oh, God, is that even sterile? I'm probably going to get some disease or something. I'm being treated by barbarian and she's like, just have this, dull the pain. Yeah. She drinks it and she's like, <laughs> she yeah. makes noises into her glass. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I feel so good. Oh. What's in this? I've got to get take some back. <laughs> and the nurse says, well, it's some parts water and other part phallop urine. She's <laughs> like, you made me drink piss! You made me drink piss! <laughs> and Dargo's like, okay, okay, let's take you away from the children. Come on, let's go look for that turn. You made me drink piss. Oh, <laughs> uh, fun fact about that, um, actually the being drunk, that was suggested by uh, Tammy McIntosh, who plays Jewel. She figured that would be a good side effect of the urine. <laughs> That wasn't in the script. I think it was just like... Oh, that's nice, because in the next scene, it actually works. Yeah. And so, later on, Dargo is trying to get Jordan Stark to find the time tear. 
so they can go home, you know, get Stark to do the same thing he did and uh, they can go back through. They manage to find it. Stark's looking around with the goggles on. He's like, oh, 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 no, it's up there. It's up there. It's oh, it's coming down. It's coming down. It's, there it's, it is. It's, it's here now. And Dargo's like, okay, Jewel, you go through. I'll get the others. And just like, I'm not going through. Just Dargo grabs her, pushes her towards the tear. Dargo can't actually see the tear. Yeah. <laughs> so Jewel just goes headfirst into a pillar. Just <laughs> wham. <laughs> like, and Dargo's like, well, that clearly didn't work. Yeah. Picks Jewel up against like... Okay, where is it? This is where is it there. exactly? There. Okay, throws her. She goes through. She goes through and like falls down into a pile of mud. Yes, <laughs> she just sits there. And gets very upset. It's like I'm covered in mud. They made me drink piss. Oh god! And then she just looks awful. around. She's like, <laughs> memorial's gone. There's a statue lying on the floor. There's different banners. It's not the same, Stark. It's not the same. <laughs> Also, in this, there's a scene where Aaron goes to speak with Dakin, and he uh, asks, have you been an officer long? Because Dakin is basically, he, he's in the history books, he's a peacekeeper hero, yeah. and uh, she was taught about him in peacekeeper school, and, you know, she was not really expecting him to be just this kind of useless, weedy guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a great hero, and uh, it's like, it turns out that he's not even a peacekeeper officer, really. No, he was attached to oversee sustenance and communication. She's like, you're the cook? Yep, yes, that's me. <laughs> Can yeah. I just say, they got the perfect two actors for this episode. Both yeah. the guy who plays Deacon and also the head nurse. Yeah, they do actually do really good with that. Because De- Deacon is the type of guy that you see like, yes, he's affable, he's he's charming, but you also realize this is the kind of kid that gets in over his head yeah. during the military <laughs> and is now just starting to realize what this all means. Well, he says that uh, with all the o- other officers who were killed, he had to... He's basically drafted in to fill up the ranks. Yeah, and that's why he's so glad that Aaron is here, because now she can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you know the engagement better than I do. You should take command. Hmm. Also, another thing to note is when Jewel goes back through the time tear, uh, Stark, he's sensing so much... He's really freaky out. says there's so much death millions billions billions and he's he's feeling the death of many many more people than when they came in through and they're like oh god mm-hmm. we really have screwed up because in the next scene after that we have everybody grouping up again yeah being like okay where is it stark and stark's like uh, turns away like <laughs> dargo grabs his hat again turns it back and says like look you either find the tear or i'm gonna use your face to make a new one <laughs> then Stark explains that when the foul woman went through <laughs> actual quote when the foul woman went through he saw way more death yeah it's like wait Jules died it's like no 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 other people a lot of people who weren't dead before are now dead and Crichton then realizes oh god we're changing the future we gotta fix this and um, Stark is being, you know, frantic and like, I hear all the dead. And John's like, no, 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 man, we got to fix it. we got to get this. we got to make it work. We've got to change the future again. And I think this is where Aaron says to Dargo, says, you're feeling left out, Dargo. We're the only two without voices in our head. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what that line was. Well, because you, you got Crichton and Harvey and Stark, obviously. Uh, Stark and everything else. It is yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I love that, uh, between the two of them. And Dargo's first like, look, can we just go through and solve this later? Which is actually not a bad idea. I mean, but time travel, that's the, that's the fun part. You have some time to figure some stuff out. <laughs> but Stark's like, no, 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 no. Just like Sans said, do right by the wrong you've created. While well, he does the whole prayer thing that she yeah. usually did. Goddess protect us and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, 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 slightly, it's slightly in jest. Just a tiny well, bit in jest. I think it's not so much in jest as it is Stark is still very manic and very much yeah. not completely lucid. So he's it's funny. Like, he's not all there, but he's miming it. It's like, yeah, this is like what she said. The next question comes like, okay, if we stay, what do we say happened to Jewel? Dargo's like, just, she died. She Whatever. died. Nobody cares about Jewel. <laughs> who, who would care about that? It's like, <laughs> well, nobody, well, nobody there does. I, I see what he's going for, because no one else there, who they've only just met her, no one's going to care about her no, that much. <laughs> Maybe. She really didn't warm their hearts. No, she didn't endear herself to them at all. Yeah. You made me drink piss. And so they're like, okay, we've got... John's like, right, i got a plan. 
and it walks off and Aaron's like, it won't work. It's like, you don't even know what it is. It won't work. <laughs> Your plan will not work. He's like, listen, it'll be fine. Oh, you want to just grab our pulse pistols? Because they found out that their pulse pistols do work. Yeah, Aaron says that the dampening field must only affect old technology, so they're okay. John's like, oh, yeah, what are you going to do? Shoot all of them? And she's like, well, yeah, <laughs> basically. How- and they'll sue for a peace fire. It's like, no, that's not going to work. It's like, that's, how- that's my way to get a ceasefire. And then John does- at no point actually explains what his plan is. No. Aaron's just like, no, that's whatever your plan is, is not going to work. Because she knows what John's plans typically are like, I think. It's a very good plan. Oh, I have opinions about that in a minute. But we have a couple scenes before that plan goes into effect. So, back on Moya, Jewel has made her way back up mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, was the transport pod still down there? Did she send one down? Why was know. the transport pod still down there if the planet had changed from Don't worry about it, Hats. Don't worry about it. She, uh... she probably got a ride from Chiana. Yeah, okay. And she is actually there annoying Chiana and saying, look, I'm telling you that the planet's changed, that we went back in time, that all this stuff happened. Also, Chiana says, look, if you can't stop shedding, don't come into this room. She's sticking hair off the console. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, Pilot comes over the comm and says, the planet was apparently now devastated by conflict, and it's still inhabited, but by only a fraction of the population that was there before. Like, uh uh-oh. Well, the data source that he can access Mm -hmm. say that a vicious war claimed millions of lives. And Chiana's like, well, it wasn't like that when we got here. And then Jules like, that's what I've been trying to tell you. All things of linear time say that that what they're doing now is changing this place. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) has the sedative work for enough? Yes. Oh, thank you. It's a bit numb, but... Slams her on her wounds, like <laughs> she starts shouting again. That shouting is very annoying. Shut it's, up! It's just uncalled for. <laughs> I mean, Jewel is kind of irritating. Yes, but you don't punch somebody on the recent wound. <laughs> on the other hand, it is Chiana. Yeah. All right. So now back to the past. Aaron is talking to Dakin. They're both sat down on the steps, kind of chatting to each other, and he says. The recruitment holochips never mentioned anything about dying, about this. He's really stuck questioning things and feeling overwhelmed. And he says to Aaron, why did you join up? And she's like, I didn't. Born into service on a command carrier. And he's like, well, no wonder you're fearless. You know. (laughs) It's just like, it's easy to be fearless around these people in this situation. Peacekeepers are supposed to help the defenseless. Yeah, that's what they're meant to do. And clearly, over time, that has been twisted into what the Peacekeepers are today. What I also see is that I think it's the vision Aaron has of the Peacekeepers now. What she wants them to be. Yeah, what they, what they could be. I don't even know if the organization 500 years back was that. Well, ostensibly what they're doing is protecting the nurses in this monastery. I mean, 30 peacekeepers does not equate an entire race. No, that's true. But I think what they're going for is it's indicative of how peacekeepers used to be. I think that's what they are yeah. going for with this. And so it's Aaron's like, yeah, that's what they should be. And that's what they should be again. And she says to him, it's like, don't worry, you'll be fine. She seems to be intent on making sure that Dakin doesn't die. She mm-hmm. doesn't want him to be that hero who gets I mean, shot delivering the message. He's just a kid. Yeah. Which is in this scene... With the whole freaking out and being like, I like to think, I think about food. He is really is almost a child who really shouldn't be here. Yeah. So then Crichton is with General Grimes because, you know, they found him earlier, one of the Venics. Because Aaron's data device has a picture of him, so they know who he is. Yeah, that's that's how John recognized the general. It's like, uh-oh. Also, the makeup on the Venics, they are definitely an alien race. They're not just another bunch of observations or whatever. Uh, they are, he's got makeup on him, sort of looks like a lion man, yeah. basically. Got, you know, whiskers and the sort of mouthpiece and fur and hair and stuff like that. It actually mm-hmm. looks pretty good. It's not too bad. I like it. He's talking to Grimes and says, why is this place so important? What is the deal here? Mm-hmm. And he says that the horde is bloodthirsty. They're almost uncontrollable. But I try not to be. I try to keep them in check. Yeah, because the reason that what happened was they used to live in peace with the people of the Plateau Cities, mm. but the river that flows through that area into the plains where the horde, the, uh, the barbarians, quote-unquote, yeah. live, that dried up. Yeah. They're dying. And this is about, they wanted to get into this mountain because this is where the source is. Yeah, and the horde will kill to get it, and 
says we're a bunch of barbarians and John's like we're not barbarians man we don't we're peacekeepers we don't eat children yeah Grimes also makes the case that yeah the horde is bloodthirsty you know and ready to attack but they are also not barbarians and they can be convinced because he says I've never hurt a child in my life and yep. I'm trying to be more than a barbarian so what he explains is that while there are still soldiers in the monastery, the Horde will not offer a ceasefire. But if they get there and there aren't any, then they should offer a ceasefire. Because they're tired, they're hungry, they need the water. So if they can get there and just take a ceasefire and work out a deal, then without having to kill anyone else and expend all that energy, yeah, they then just, they will. they just want the water. Yeah. That's the whole reason they're here. There's no reason that they... It's not like... Oh, we need to slaughter something just because we feel like it. But they will kill the peacekeepers because they're yes. still defending soldiers. The place. Yeah. So John's plan is like, okay, here's the here's the deal. We'll make sure there aren't any soldiers here when the horde return. We'll all leave and we'll let you go so long as you promise that when you get here that you will not harm the women and children. And Grimes is like, why are you doing this? And I love John's response because. Just like you, we're tr not trying to be barbarians. Hmm. All right, so it's not a bad plan. It could work. Like I said, it's not a bad plan. No, not at all. Uh, then we have a scene with Dargo and one of the nurses, whose name is Kelsa. She's explaining what happened, that uh, they were attacked by the Horde while they were on a healing caravan. That's why they're all a bunch of nurses. And, you know. mm -hmm. and the peacekeepers came to their rescue and basically brought them here to be safe, not realizing that this is exactly where the horde was heading. Yeah, and they and she says, we may have been safer if they hadn't found us. Yeah. She says, do you know what the, the horde does to children? If they catch my daughter, I'd rather she be at peace than with them. Yeah. And can I depend on you if that happens? Oh. I was like, oh, no, holy crap. I know what you're asking, and oh. <laughs> oh, no. I think Dago is just, don't think he actually answers, does he? Maybe a little bit of shock and like, Whoa, this is really bad. Then we have a scene with Stark, and he's sat by the fountain in the middle of the courtyard, and he's crying, and a little girl comes up to him, uh, whose name, just for the ease of things, is Centrina, and she says, why are you crying? And he says, well, because of all the pain. And she says, well, my father died, and I didn't cry. And then Stark just looks at her and just, just, just hugs her, and... Yeah. Tear rolling over his eye. Yeah, it's... And, whoa. <laughs> and all I wanted to say to that kid was like, why not? Why didn't you cry? Or like, it's okay. It's okay to cry. You're allowed to cry. Yeah, and there's just that... We have that lingering shot of him hugging the child, and it's... Oh, it's very sad. It wasn't, it wasn't until the second viewing I understood what this scene meant. It's in some ways to show how much it's still, uh, it's still affecting Stark. Sans passing. In some ways, it illustrates how his love for Zan was stronger than the love of this child for her father. Oh, I see. Okay. Just to put that in perspective. Also, just, yeah, how affected Stark is by any kind of death, because he is mm. very upset by by the millions that he that he felt when they looked back through the tear. And, <sighs> yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's very sad. And, yeah, they leave that shot of the two of them hugging for quite a bit before cutting yeah. away, which I think is, a, is definitely a good choice, because it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, underscores that scene. So now John's going to fix all this. Yeah, John's going to make it work. So John's plan: he's got Grinds dressed up as a nurse in in the women's uh, clothing to you know mm -hmm. sneak him out, and she's like, "Do I really? Is this really necessary? This is." Oh, it's like yes, if you want to get out of here alive, yes, it is necessary. Sorry, it's like we're going to send you over the wall. You can run back. You can go back to the horde and you know sort this all out. Yeah. It's like. Okay. And he looks right. over the edge and is like, oh, it's soft sand. If you just jump and roll, you should be fine. Yeah, and so he's climbing out and he pauses for a second, turns back and looks at John and says, well, thank you. And John's like, I have a good feeling about this. I think history is going to remember you as a great keep maker of peace. Bang! <laughs> and then, of course, he is immediately shot dead by Kelsa with like a uh, like a crossbow kind of thing. And she's like, you're a traitor. Crichton's a traitor. He's so like, terrible. No, no, you did not just do that. Tell me you did not just do that. And I'm like, that was kind of my response as well as I saw this. It's like, no. And just, this is shit. Well, this is what I wrote down in my, my notebook was, this is what happens when you don't communicate, John. Yes, I agree. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't tell anyone else what your plan is. Come on. I mean, in the next scene, we immediately go yeah. to, 
John chained up on the statue, and the the nurses questioning uh, Stark, Dargo, and Aaron, like, are you in on his plan? No, we knew nothing about what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and Kelsey's like, okay, no, no, we have to kill him. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. And Stark tries to stop her, and she's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you were sending grinds out to make peace. I don't think that's true at all. She actually aims it at John, and her daughter stops her. Yeah. Like, no more killing, Mom. Yeah, and Crichton says the Venic leaders are desperate for peace. They want a reason to offer peace. And if you give them a sign, then you should be all right. You won't be hurt. Arrow lands in the courtyard. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is odd, because uh, Arrow fires over, and there's, like, a flame coming up from it with a message in it. It's, it's a cool way of doing a hologram. Yeah, and it's a communication from the Venex, and the other general says that we could have accepted the death of our general yeah. in battle. You, you have no idea how closely you've brushed the lasting peace. And everyone's just... John must just be face-palming inside so hard. Yes. Because, like, we would have accepted the death of our general in battle, but you disgraced him in females' clothes. And, and I love... There's quick shots of... Both Aaron and Dargo looking at John like, this is what you get. This is your fault. <laughs> and that's, Idiot. But then it says, at dawn, your severed heads will be nailed to the walls. So... Make yeah. peace with what, what time you have. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, this is what happens when you don't communicate. Because, yeah, when I saw this, it's like, if you'd had Dargo and Aaron on this, they could have run interference for you. Exactly. And easily gotten out. Yeah. Could have made sure that they, people weren't paying attention. You could just hop the wall. Everything would have been fine. I love this, because this is the moment where everything starts escalating out of control. It's like, any chance of putting this back the way it was, <laughs> gone. Like John says, I don't know if it's here or later. If he's alive, he becomes a great maker of peace. Dead, he's just a footnote. We do also have like some more changes happening to the planet from Moya's perspective. Oh, yeah. These are, these are basically like little cutaways. Thing as you know, things go from bad to worse, and it starts with the planet. You know, initially it was you know conquered by another force. Uh, there were only a fraction of people living there. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing, it's completely ravaged by some kind of all-out war, and the surface of the planet is not inhabitable. Yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at now. Pilots like it's a black sphere with cracks, and lava, and uh, certain impact craters that just are dark red. And he's like, "There's no microbial chemistry to be found." anywhere on that thing there's nothing left not a single grain of life and like holy shit <laughs> how badly did you screw this up jesus it's like <laughs> wow well huh? i can imagine a conflict lasting longer but i can't imagine such tiny details lasting this long to this extent mm. just turning it into apparently a nuclear hellfire <laughs> that couldn't have happened at least for a few hundred ye years i mean wow Oof, all right, so they've really got to turn this around. Oh, yeah. And, okay, I love this next scene. This is so good. So we have, like, the... This is very much this... I mean, this gets referenced later, but it's like the, the night before. It's like the sitting around at the Alamo, you know, waiting for yeah. dawn to come. And it pans as a slow panning shot across with everybody sort of sat down and just looking off into the distance. And yeah, we actually hear... There's uh, some harmonica music. Um, mouth harmonica playing, and... It's uh, Home on the Range he's playing. Yeah, and I, I love... Because it's, it's, it really does hammer home, like, this is a desperate situation. Even yep. without the fact that they're changing the future, mm. it's also like this scenario was basically the Alamo. I mean, we pan across Dargo, then Aaron, then the nurse, and then John. There's boots uh, on his legs. There's somebody the wearing statue. boots, and we pan on... And the moment I saw those boots, it's like Harvey. Yeah, because they're cowboy boots. Like, yes. <laughs> and and Harvey, Har we find out that Harvey's actually sitting there on a chair with his legs on top of John's legs. And he's playing uh, the harmonica. And... And he's playing the harmonica, and it's like, I'm so glad you called me. Called me for okay. this situation, John. Because <laughs> well, if I... otherwise I would have never heard this music. Yeah, if this didn't remind you of all those Western movies you watched when you were a youth, I wouldn't yes. have heard this. And Oh, that's nice. Inter okay, little note about this scene. Did you notice? Yes, uh, on the I boots? did. I was going to ask you the yes. same thing. <laughs> Written on... I love this detail the so much. The underside of the boots. On the underside of Harvey's boots is Andy. Like, Both boots. Like Woody from Toy Story. Yes, it's, it's so good. It's amazing. I it's love it. It's an extra joke inside a joke. 
It's so because I, I saw them, I was like, I laughed so hard. It's, it's, great. it's it completely works. The boots would have worked just fine. Him sitting there with the moth harmonica, perfect. He's referencing cowboy movies because this is clearly the Alamo yeah, yeah. of species. But the fact <laughs> that they had the insight to write Andy on the bottom of those boots. It, and that was Ben Browder. That was Ben Browder's idea. He was like, right, I'm going to write that on the boots. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, little things like that really make it, really make it great. That I laughed. That was so good. And it's just like, it's not, they don't linger on, they don't have a close-up of the boots. It's just a little detail. And it's, it's not It's not in photo. It's just in the front of the scene, and if you're not paying attention, you could easily miss it. But it's, oh, it's great. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Harvey is there, and Crichton has actually called him there. Well, it's interesting, because this is the first time that, well, he's called Harvey there, and he's talking to him about what's going on, and he says, what can we do? And Harvey says, well, all research points to the elasticity of time. If you get events close enough to what they, to what was supposed to happen, then the outcome is likely to be the same. Same people, same place, same variables. Same motivations. Yeah. And then John, this is interesting because John then asks Harvey, he's like, okay, suggestions. He's asking Harvey for advice. He's not just demanding information out of Harvey. He's actually seeking Harvey's counsel, which is an important, like, that's a diff- that's a shift from what he's been doing. Well, because previously he just called Harvey t- to there just to interrogate him, basically. Yeah, and and in this case it was also look, I need I need all help. information you have on time travel and time. Everything you can tell me, I need now. But he also wants help and I, and I, ideas for what to do. And I love Harvey's response because Harvey says, "Not this time, John." But the if, the way the events have been unfolding, I don't want this. I don't want any failures on my head. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he makes a mistake, he's not going to bear the uh, blame for that. And Crichton says, everything I do just makes things worse. And and Harvey's line is like, well, do better. And then just starts playing the harmonica again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, it's great. I find it interesting that there's like the elasticity of time that it tries to get back into a certain direction. I'm like, ugh. So kind of a little bit of predestination? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, well, at least you have some choice, I guess. Well, it seems to be going for, like, the future is yet to be made, but the past is can't be changed, or, or we'll try and get back to the way it was. Yeah, you okay. Know, that kind of Makes thing. Sense. So then Erin is discussing her plan with John, and what she's come up with is she's convinced Dakin to record a message offering surrender. And they can record it over the spear that was thrown. And then send it back, and hopefully the Horde will accept that. Crichton says that the better way would be to just let Deacon die. That's not exactly what he says. What well, he says yeah. is, can you check the thing of yours, see if there's any other variables we can correct? And mm, Aaron's right. like, no, 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 I know what you're thinking. Deacon does not have to die here. It's not even a soldier. In. John's like, look, he's supposed to die here. It's supposed to happen. It's, his death has already been written, was what I wrote down. Yeah. If we can get things close enough to how they were before we got here, then we should get back on track. She's like, frell your timeline. He doesn't have to die. And I like that John points out, look, if that doesn't work, he's going to die anyway. We're playing for the nurses now. Deacon is dead either way. And he says it's up to us to do something. We've got to try. So then we have a scene with uh, Kelsa and Stark. And Stark is in another part of the courtyard where there are graves that have been uh, dug and people are buried there with little headstones. Just yeah. little things put into the ground. And he's sat there looking over them. And Kelsa comes to see him. And he asks her, like, how did you feel when you shot Grimes? She said, I felt hate, fear. And Stark says, fear is good, but forget the hate. Travel light, yeah. forget the hate. And she says, like, so you deal with the dead. And he says, well, someone has to. And she says, well, once they're dead, my expertise ends. Yep. She says, if I die, will I be with my daughter? I love Stark's eye, because we only see one. Eye, when she says that, because his eye goes around and it's like, um... Uh, how do we deal with this? <laughs> I don't exactly. How, how am I going to work this? And this is a and Stark is much more lucid at this uh, mm-hmm. in this scene. He's much more calm and relaxed, and he says, well, more thoughtful. And he says to her, it's like, well, there are different beliefs, different destinations. There's the title. Ah, there we go. So you know, he I can't tell you until the end. He only knows when they cross over where they're going. Yeah. So I can't really tell you, but she won't be alone. 
it's a nice little scene of showing Stark's expertise and his basically his bedside manner <laughs> with yeah, the dead and dying. Much. Yeah, and then we have a scene with Sintrina, uh, who is who's yeah Kelsey's daughter, and um, with Dargo. And Darko's, she says to him, it's like, you look scary. You're scary looking. I like what Darko responds, oh, you should have seen my father. <laughs> and she says, well, my, my father wasn't scary like like you. And she says, well, my mom says whenever loved ones die, they must be going to be remembered forever. And she says, will someone remember me when I die? And Darko walks up to her and says, I know a secret. And he pulls out one of his knives and it's like, here, leave your mark. Then whenever somebody comes here, they'll think of you. And so she goes off and starts scraping a mark into the stone. Yeah. Oof, this, there's a lot of heavy stuff in this. It's always more interesting to see the history happening. Like, if, <laughs> if you ever see a scratch mark in a museum like that, realize that at some point someone did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, just a brief tangent, but what, what I always find really interesting is the is the graffiti and the things that people find in historical sites that really show that people haven't changed that much. Oh, right. I remember that. <laughs> it's there's... stuff like... Uh, I think there's a couple of examples, like there were Nordic runes or something that uh, were that were in a cave, uh, yeah. and people were like, oh, this must mean something, and it basically translated to Half Dan was here. <laughs> <laughs> or the one where there were certain uh, signs all the way up... <laughs> The top of the cave. Yes. And it was like I took them real time to get up there and translate them. What turns out that it said, "This is really high." <laughs> yes, I love stuff like that. That's a, a complete tangent to the episode, but I just I really like. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that really that's funny. the other side of it. But I do like it, it is that connection to the past of people who are not that different from me and you, and that's what time travel episodes like this can actually do, and that's what's going on, particularly with Aaron and Dakin. It's like, he's not some mythical hero, he's just a kid. Yeah. You know, there's so that... Suddenly, suddenly he's no longer a, a few lines or an ideal on a page, but he's a person. Mm, yeah. Who is, as usual, totally not the person you expected. Yeah, they portray that really well with, uh, mm. with Aaron and Dakin. So, back to the plot. Dakin, he's recorded the message now. So he's like talking to Aaron like, right, I've got the message recorded and he's got a spear. I think it's a spear he's holding. I think it's the same spear. spear. And he's like, right, we're going to, I'm going to throw this over the wall and send it Aaron's, to the hall. Aaron's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll do it. She actually just grabs it off him. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going up. He's like, no, I'll do it. It's better if I get hurt than you. Because yeah. you're the, you know, you're the soldier. Just a cook. Aaron is insistent for a bit, and Deacon actually convinces her to do it, to be like, no, I'm doing this. And so he takes it off her and goes to walk up, because basically there are the battlements a bit higher yeah. up, and there's, he goes up to that level, and you can see down into the courtyard from there, and mm -hmm. John's still chained to the statue in the middle at this point, and they're looking up at him, uh, Aaron and Crichton, and they know what's go no, they know what's about to happen. Yeah, this is exactly what John wants, well, doesn't want to happen, but thinks has to happen yeah and so he goes up there and Aaron says to him hey you know you're not just a you're a soldier you're a, you're a hero and he's like no hero I'm not I'm, I'm not, not a hero they always get killed and he's not gonna die <laughs> he throws the spear and he gets shot by an arrow and falls off the wall dead just like John predicted yeah just like history told it yeah so now they're like all right that's Part one, now we've got to get out of here. But the problem is Stark can't find the time tear. Yeah, it's gone. Like, it's Which, not there at all. It's probably because it's linking to a crater of a planet. Basically. Yeah, and Venix start attacking again. And so the Venix, they roll in and, and yeah. it's like, okay, so they're not going to go for peace then. What? And she's actually mad at John. It's like, you let Deacon die. You've convinced me to let him die. And they're still... Does that sound like ceasefire? It's to like, you? We're going to try it my way. And she's, and he's like, okay, fine, but I need to get out of it. If we're going to do this, you need to untie me. Because mm -hmm. I can help just untie me. And repeatedly, like, saying, they're having an argument. And he's just, every other line is, untie me. <laughs> <laughs> and Kelsa, uh, she goes to do it, but Kelsa objects. He's like, no, he's a traitor. And it's yeah. like... She points, that, she points the gun at Aaron. Or gun or the crossbow, cro crossbow thingy. thing, yeah. And, and Aaron, Aaron's like, look, he can help. Like, what is he going to do? Aaron pulls her pistol, shoots past, past her, and is like, there, he has a weapon like mine. Then, and Kelsey's like, wait, you have pulse pistols that work? Why didn't you use them before? And Aaron's like, 
You know, that's a good question. Like looking at John. <laughs> <laughs> so they untie Crichton and get him into the fight. Mm-hmm. And this is also when Aaron says, like, okay, why didn't you tell us about Grinds and your plan? And John's like, oh, well, there wasn't time. Which the is the clown. There wasn't time. Which is exactly what Aaron says. I, I do like that call out because, like, there's no time to explain is such a prevalent trope and it's and it can be really annoying because it's like no there were totally was time to explain <laughs> it's it, it's a good opening type uh, line for a game yes but <laughs> like it's it's a classic okay. thing of like i've not told anyone my plan and then it goes wrong because i didn't tell anybody which is like what happened here because there wasn't time even though there totally was time yeah they had the whole night it's, to it's, pull manu- this off. it's manufactured drama is what it is yeah. but what i like that farscape does is that aaron calls john out on it it's, it's she's like the frill mm. there wasn't there was time why didn't you do that because you've screwed it up now if you told us about it we could have we would have avoided all this so they've got to fight off the venic horde with two pulse pistols and some yes. crossbows you know it's that's why like okay they start shooting and then at some point aaron's like okay you get up there to battlements start uh shooting make like an army what, what do you mean just pretend just run around and start shooting from different directions pretend like you're an army <laughs> it's like, okay sure all right and he just gets up he's like off we go and just like running around shooting as many okay. people and it's it's because they're all coming in through a very narrow doorway and i think the idea is that he's there's... gonna shoot from different angles so that yeah. the people outside can think there's more there's actually yeah. three ladders put up against the battlements and what john is doing is running to one Shooting the first person, the person as it comes up, quickly running to the next ladder, <laughs> shooting the first, next person, running along, yeah, just running between those ladders, just trying to get everybody. It's, it's like a game of whack-a-mole, just trying to whack it before they get off the ladder. <laughs> and he's like running around, it's like, God, I think I'm going to have a heart attack. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, Aaron is basically covering the gate. Yeah. And so this whole battle is going on. Dargo is uh, throwing, you know, slashing people with his quarter blade. Yeah, because because his sword is so freaking old, he can actually fire with it. Yeah, it, it, it's affected by the dampening field as well, and so you know they have this battle. There's a lot of really quick cuts, like very like uh, chaotic and just like people mm-hmm. being stabbed and shot and just all over the place. John saves both uh, mother and child and Aaron at certain points in this fight by shooting down. As this battle goes on, we get cut back up to Moira and Pilot in the future or in the present rather. Mm-hmm. And Pilot says, "Okay, so um, the planet's gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's it's just not there anymore. Like, like first it was, first it was decimated. Now it then it was like n- obliterated with nuclear fire, and now it's just not there anymore. How? How? How badly How? did the did you screw things up? How? <laughs> there has to be something left." <laughs> like no there's nothing there and Shana's like that can't possibly be right like I don't even think the peacekeepers have technology to blow up a planet <laughs> and so Shiana goes out in a pod is like I'm gonna go look for them this is this is not right at all <laughs> where are you gonna look for them there's nothing to look at <laughs> yeah oh god and then so we go back to the battle and nurses are being killed Venex being killed all over the place there's many of them just bodies piling up and as the bodies pile up, I'm like, that's a family line dead, that's a family line yeah. dead, that's a family line dead. Old people old people who will never be born because their great 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 ancestors died here. Yep. Eventually the Venix do end up retreating. And so they run off and the time tear comes back and Stark looks through it and it's like, There's no more death on the other side. Like, I don't believe you. I just saw entire family lines get slaughtered. He's not no more than has already happened here. Okay, fair. And he says they've restored the timeline. It's okay, we did it, we fixed it. And like <laughs> this doesn't happen, but I, I almost I wanted something like this, but it's like where, you know, panning across all the dead bodies, stuff and it's like, <laughs> We fixed it <laughs> We did it. It's like have you seen there's a picture of I think it's from SpongeBob of like SpongeBob and Patrick standing where the city's on fire and they say, We did it, we saved the city. It's basically <laughs> that. We saved the future with all of these dead people. You just have to pile the bodies high enough so we can save yeah. them. jeez. <laughs> oh, so they can now leave, go back to the planet where it's nice and safe and everything's okay. But before they go, Dargo uh, says goodbye to Centrina. Because they're like, they don't want them to go because there aren't any other peacekeepers left. 
and the horde is on their way, and it's like, they'll, 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 they'll go for peace, it's okay. Yeah, and I like that Dargo asked to, uh, Citrina, to Citrina, like, she asks him, will I ever see you again? And then he asks, how long do you people usually live? My yeah. grandmother went seven hundred cycles. Then maybe I'll see you when you grow up. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, oh, he's going to visit her in, a, in an old woman's lady's home. Oh, yeah. And Crichton is talking to Kelson. She's like, well, don't go. We need you to stay here and, you know, help us when the, when the rest of the horde get here. And he's like, look, if we're gone, if there are no soldiers here, then when they get here, you'll be safe. They'll go for, they'll sue for peace. There'll be a ceasefire and you'll be okay. Trust me. I promise you, yeah. he'll be okay. He goes back to the time portal. Aaron isn't back yet. Yeah, because mm-hmm. because as they go to leave, he's like, I'll, "I'll just be, I'll just be a minute. I'll just be thirty micro. Just I won't be that long." And Aaron's like, "Come on, we have to go now." And yeah. but then when he gets there, Aaron's not there. Yeah, and it turns out that Aaron <clears throat> has put uh, the peacekeeper mark that she took off earlier to keep. Oh right, I, I, we skipped over that detail. It's like a little bit because she's teaching a little bit teaching uh, Deacon how to do peacekeeper things. He's like, take this off. This will be a target for snipers. Yeah, which is funny because it, it looks. If you look very closely, you can see the current logo in it. There's yeah. If you if you would if you would color it differently and remove maybe one block, you could see the the logo peacekeeper logo that we know. But yeah, she puts it on his body and is just sort of... Saying, like, you really are a peacekeeper and a hero. And then John gets us, like, come on, we, Aaron, we gotta go. And she looks up and she's, like, you know, okay. sad and and just eventually, like, gets up and gets ready to go. So yeah. they all go back through the time tet. This whole time Stark's kind of been stood there just like, oh, keeping it open. Yeah, and as as they all converge there, he does the thing he did before. It's like, oh! Pulls it open. And they go back through. And then, of course, there's a cut. There's like a jump ahead in a bit of time. And we just see them sitting around the modern courtyard. Yeah. Um, which is much like it was before. It's all neat and tidy. There's the memorial. There's, you know, they're, they're just sat down. And Chiana's down there as well. Mm-hmm. And has gone down to meet them, telling them about the changes that they saw. Like, yeah. um, you know, the planet was gone, it was destroyed, uh, but now everything's fine, nothing's changed apart from one thing. And as Aaron walks to the memorial monument we saw before, we see the images, holographic images of uh, the nurses appear. John is sitting in a corner, just sat there, and Jenna also asks, like, can you guys go back? And no, the Terra has become too unstable. And Jenna asks, does he know that? Pointing at Crichton. He's like, yeah. Who, oh. Whose job is it going to get him uh, back on the ship? And Aaron says, that's mine. And so then she goes to Crichton and he says, I screwed up. I really screwed up. And she said, we, we did the best we could. I like she said, you did the, no, we did the best we could. Yeah. She corrects herself. Mm. Says, why Why did they do that? What's the point? You know, why, why any of this? And he says, there probably was no point to any of this, you know, no. to, to this conflict and then there's a pair of goggles on the on the ground and john picks them up he's looking into one end of it not putting them on the camera then goes into it and then we see what was happening after they left and the venex come in asking kelso and the nurses like where are the pulse weapons where are they she says Crichton had them but they escaped and it's like i need to give the horde something they're bloodthirsty and he's Ah. like there's no way they could have escaped my soldiers had this place locked down i can't control the horde i have to give them something to satisfy their bloodthirst and And it's like give me them and she's like i don't know where they are and she screams Crichton, Crichton, help and we get a shot from outside of the group surrounding the nurses and we just hear weapons fire and shouting and then john like chucks the goggles away he's like no so yeah for all that they did when the horde got there the nurses were killed and that's why there's the memorial in the courtyard now yeah but they did create peace and they yeah. did destroy everything else and it but... made me think of a twisted version of the saying ten people is a footnote a billion is a catastrophe yeah it's oof it's really heavy and Crane and Erin are just sat there and she leads her head on his shoulders and he leans onto hers and just really sat staring into the distance of kind of what have we done and Dargo is also looking around the courtyard and he goes through some uh, some weeds and like pulls back to a part of the wall and there's the mark that Centrina made mm-hmm. and he takes one last look at the wall and he sees that and that's when the episode finishes. That's when the episode ends. Yep. Oh, man. 
That was heavy. Oh, I want to carve my name into something. <laughs> actually, looking back on it now, and after the second viewing, I, I realized that it was actually very obvious why this doesn't happen, but I was expecting maybe Centrina to survive, just, yeah. or like just her, and then she shows up at the end as like a uh, you know, 700, you know, 400, 500 year, year old person. Mm-hmm. And meets up with Dargo. But then watching back, I'm like, right, no, the the memorial has all of them there, and it's clear that they were all killed, so okay. Yeah, and it's also, I kind of like what they did with this episode. Yeah. Because, one, what you usually have in these time travel episodes, they get back and everything is fine. There's sometimes one minor detail for comic effect that changed. Like, there's fish in the lake now, or, you know, yeah, when or, there wasn't or, before. Or, or there's now suddenly the duck that's there. There was a white duck at the start, and now there's a black duck. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. But... There is actually a signif- for them a significant difference. Yeah, and also usually it's like yeah we would have seen that daughter come in again. Hmm. It's like no, that's also that that would have also been very tropey to have that person yeah, show that's up true, yeah. after all that time. They also didn't do that. And like yes, the general line of history was restored, but the details hmm. and specifically certain people are now dead because of what happened. Yeah, so this had the potential... Well, when this started out, I was read the synopsis like, okay, so this will be another episodic thing of like, well, what in and out and our plot and then everyone's okay at the end. But mm-hmm. no, actually, they do a lot more interesting things with it. They actually use it to do some character work for Erin on her, you know, what she thinks of the peacekeepers. Yep. And a bit of hero worship and... Crichton trying to set things right and actually... Crichton asking Mm. Harvey for advice. Yeah, this is an important development and just uh, Stark dealing with uh, the loss of Zan and uh, the death of all these people and Mm -hmm. trying to to sort himself out and they've got some great performances from everyone involved. You know, obviously, yeah, Ben Browder, Claudia Black do a great job, but Paul Goddard and Stark actually in this episode really good and also the two guest stars yeah were yeah, yeah. really good because uh the guy that played deacon the- he really like i said he really gets across that in over his head recruit who really shouldn't be here what i also love is that in the end he was a hero not because yeah. he killed a bunch of people not because he was some sort of great leader but because he was prepared to take a risk yeah, he was prepared to put himself in danger so that others may live. Yeah, exactly. And the woman playing Kelsa really, really sells. Like when uh, Crichton, when she shoots the general and calls Crichton a traitor, and is just she wants to protect her, her daughter and the other nurses. And it's... she really sells the person who is completely trapped, mm. scared to death of both her own life, the lives of people around her, the life of her daughter and just desperately tries everything to keep it from happening. Yeah, and I was initially apprehensive of a time travel episode because it's like, oh, it's going to be super tropey and, you know, the usual stuff. But no, like, they do enough different things with it and actually do something important or something different. It really felt like they were looking at history, even if it's history we didn't know about before this episode. Yeah, because that's always a problem with this kind of thing, is like we're suddenly introduced as these two groups of people and this, the group of nurses, and suddenly we have to care about them and the history of this place, mm-hmm. which is something we've, we've never seen before. So you have to get the audience on board with that. And, and they do it by getting two characters in there that we care about. Yeah. Initially it seemed like it was going to rush through things a bit too quick, but uh, as the episode goes on we spend more time uh, just in s- small scenes with those individuals, with Dakin and mm-hmm. with Kelsa and uh, Centrina, which which is what builds up that amount, that familiarity, so that by the end of the episode, we actually care about these people rather than yes. suddenly like, no, you have to care about the this group of people you've never seen before. And also in a transference sense, I like that many people from our own history probably aren't as grandiose or as amazing oh, as they not. are written down. Definitely if we, not. If we got the chance to go back 500 years, we'd probably see a few people like, oh, that's not how I expected he'd be. That's not what the book said. <laughs> well, that's kind of, I guess it's a little bit what I was getting at with my tangent earlier, is that you have the idea of these people as mythological, you know, historical figures who are grand and noble or whatever, and really they were just people. Yeah. You know, the, culturally, a lot of things have changed, obviously, and a lot. Yeah. But in some ways, people really haven't changed 
for thousands of years. You know, yeah. there's a lot of there are a lot more similarities than you might think. And that's something that this episode shows, which is really good. And mm-hmm. and I love seeing Crichton struggle with trying to put things right and realizing at the end that he really screwed up and that how his actions yeah, they they got peace back, but it cost the lives of these nurses. And on the other hand, could he have even avoided that? Because them just accidentally going there already changed so much more. Mm. Yeah, you couldn't save everyone. That's that's the only thing. No, I think it's important that he does actually care about them and is not just like, okay, we just got to screw these people. We got to get back to the future. Whatever. Yeah. It's not just about putting things right. He wants to try and save the nurses and children I mean, as well. He he didn't put he didn't put things so much as right as screw up a few things that were yeah. right before. Yeah. So there we go. All right. Overall, this was pretty good episode. I think yeah. the only problem I had was when the battle scenes uh, they were a lot of really quick cuts of like people being shot and stabbed and jumping all over the place and it was a little bit too frantic yeah and it was hard to see what was going on yes exactly exactly. it was a little confusing it could have just maybe toned that down a little bit and it would have been slightly better i think that what they were going what they were trying to do with that is because of the limited budget they can't really put a proper horde out there no so they were trying to make it look like there were more of them and you could hear in the background noise like more of them coming yeah but exactly. it was trying to make it look like there was a real battle going on rather than like five people <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know it almost worked but not quite it's and the set is rather small it's a, it doesn't quite get that suspension of disbelief for me that there is an entire army out there yeah no that now that you point that out that wasn't I mean, I take that for granted that it's not going to work entirely. Yeah, it's more like, uh, I mean, that's that's really a minor quibble because the the good the interesting stuff in the episode is all the character work and all that yep. thing. So, and that's all done really well. It's just it's a little bit of a problem of like believing that there is actually an army outside, and that's mm-hmm. that's a scale problem. That's a budget problem. There's, you know, that's something Farscape has to deal with. <laughs> you know, you can't. It couldn't really. I mean, they did a CG shot of Moyer and stuff, but you can't really do a CG army uh, at this time. No, they did. They did. I think one shot from outside the um, monastery, and you just see a few. You see a bunch of tents and a few people standing guard. That's yeah. about it. But other than that, this was actually pretty good. What do we want to rate this episode? What do uh, you four think? out of five. Yeah, I would that's say. what I'm aiming for. It's it's a good episode. Yeah, really good. It's a great episode. It's yeah, fun. and you've got. Harvey and Crichton and Aaron and it's funny because Chiana and Rachel don't get a whole lot to do but their yeah. scene at the beginning in Zan's quarters is really effective so even though they don't have much screen time they're not actually just not doing anything not, no they, not... they are active they're, they are active participants not so much in the plot but there is stuff happening for them yeah, this episode they contribute. Rachel, just, Rachel just mostly got the week off yeah <laughs> and actually I really like seeing I really like seeing Jewel interact with everybody. Yes. And she's like, these people are crazy. They made me drink piss and threw me in mud and it was, oh, it was horrible. It's like, yes, yes, it's all horrible. Welcome on the ship. It's not always, <laughs> this is not really a pleasure cruise. Like John said last episode, welcome to the Federation Starship USS Buttcrack. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, four out of five seems good to me. And yeah, that was different destinations. This is some, this has been some good stuff recently. So, uh, should we talk about what's coming up next week? Oh, yes. So, next week, we will be... It'll be episode 50 of our regular podcasts of the episodes of this show, which will be our one-year anniversary. Yeah, those two lined up perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> totally didn't actually plan that. It's just no, that's what did, happened. We just found out. It's like, hey, when's our... Wait a minute. When's our one-year anniversary going to be? Next year. 50 an episode? That's nice. <laughs> so, still yeah. have, I still haven't figured out how that works math-wise, because we took four weeks off, so there should be... We just, should just be... don't worry about it. It's okay. time travel episodes. <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah, there's two time travel episodes, and those just get cut out. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, so let's talk about what is actually up next week. It, the episode is titled, Eat Me. You said this is a controversial episode. Yes, I did. Uh, this has been named one of the most controversial episodes in Farscape's history. It caused quite a stir when it came out originally. And I don't want to give too much away, 
but um, the first line of the synopsis should, or the of the blurb should do it, uh, should do us for now, which is the crew of Moya come across a diseased leviathan used by the peacekeepers as a prison for the criminally insane. Okay. This and could be interesting. There's more to the episode, but we will talk about that next week. And I feel like this is because I I've you know seen some of the series before, but going back, I'd forgotten so many episodes, so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the episodes people will remember, even if they don't remember everything else. Yeah, kind of like sounds like, like it. Like won't get fooled again. Like mm-hmm. that's that. It's one of those episodes that sticks out in people's minds. So, yeah, we shall see. That'll be next week, episode 50, Eat Me. And that'll be a one-year anniversary. So that'll yep. be an interesting one to do. The ah. day after that, after our one-year anniversary. Oh, yes, of course. We were going to announce it next week, but it's probably best to do it now so it's not one day before. We will remind you next week as well. But yeah. we have a special thing planned on my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash hats. I will be uh, setting up and playing... We've talked about this on the street, on the mm-hmm. podcast before, but the Farscape game, the the PC game. Yes, and I will be skyping in, and yes. he'll be screen sharing, <laughs> so I can uh, yeah, so I can look over his shoulder basically and give comment. <laughs> so we'll be playing that and hanging out and chatting with people, and yeah, you know, come and join us. And uh, that will be at uh, seven thirty p.m. BST. Uh, so yeah. Do tune in for that, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good time. And yeah, come hang out and chat and tell us what you thought of Farscape Rewatch so far. Yeah, glad... ask questions. Yeah, I'm glad people have been enjoying it, and we hope you uh, like today's episode, and we hope you will join us again next week. So uh, we'll be back for that for our 50th episode uh, celebration kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the meantime, you know where to find us around the internet, at, on Twitter, at Hats and read at Vidalkin and Tree. Yes. Go to karmahats.co.uk for previous episodes, other projects and stuff, all of which is supported by the patreon.com slash karmahats. And don't forget, we are now on iTunes. You can find all the links to that on the website. And yep. like, comment, subscribe, all one word. Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you feel like it, you, we would really appreciate it if yes. you could uh, rate our Yeah, podcast. rate, review, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's one of those things, you know, it's like, I get that it's something everybody says and it's like it's the standard greeting at the end it's like oh yeah no we know but you kind of have to do it yeah it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm more okay with the you i think <laughs> but yes that would be uh, much appreciated anyway we're just glad that you are listening and hopefully enjoying the show we'll be back next time uh, thanks for listening everybody have a good week bye for now Bye-bye. bye Okay, if my calculations are correct, I should be back in my own time and everything should be fine. Everything should be back to normal. Uh, yeah, everything seems fine here. Uh, Okay, good. So uh, we'll do another episode of Babylon 5 Rewatch next week, yeah? Oh, no.